it amazes me how this world is so eager to believe in supernatural things. You know, when I was growing up, Ouija boards were real popular. I never tried one because I was scared, praise the Lord. You know, but I know all my teenage friends, they were messing with that. You know, we're so eager. There's whole shows on like the Discovery Network of, of ghost hunters where they'll spend all this money and they'll get its equipment and they'll go into this house and they're searching for ghosts and they're searching to find something. And it's amazing, even the teenagers, not, not the ones here at the church, but out in the world, they're so you know, willing to believe in the supernatural. Witchcraft and Harry Potter and all the supernatural. And then it comes to God. And we all pump the brakes. Did you know, and I know not here at Cornerstone, but a lot of the church is more willing to have faith and believe the power of the enemy than they are the power of God. You can go to foreign countries and, and someone will be possessed with a demon and they'll be slivering across the floor and they'll just, they'll, they'll acknowledge it. That's the devil. He has control over him. But yet the church doesn't even believe that God has enough power to knock someone over in a prayer line. I might just get up on all sorts of soapboxes tonight and preach at y'all. I mean, either we serve the God that created the universe and has enough power to say light be and then light will exist for all of eternity. Either that's the God we serve, come on, that can raise the dead, even if they've been dead for three days and he can just says, Lazarus, rise up and walk. Either that's the God we serve, either we serve the living God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the one who is and is to come, the great I am, the Alpha and the Omega, either we serve him who has no limits in his love and no limits in his power and no limits in his ability, either we serve him or we don't, let's make up our mind. I serve, you know, uh, Ollie was just talking about that transfer wealth. Do you serve the living God that can do that? Come on now. What do you believe? I'm going to see some stuff in this end time. Mm -mm, No, y'all need to get that. I'm going to see some stuff in it. You know, if it rattles my brain, then it's going to rattle my brain. But I'm not going to pull back because I don't understand. Come on, I've been saying it for a minute now. I said it Wednesday night. They looked at me silly. I said it Sunday morning. Y'all looked at me silly. But it's easier, hallelujah, to cool down a fanatic than to warm up a corpse. (laughs) Y'all going to have to cool me down. Because I'm getting crazy. I'm ready for revival. Come on now. I'm ready for the Holy Ghost to move for hours upon hours and days upon days. And I'm not going to be the one that holds him back from having his way in the church. I've seen too much. Come on now. We've seen too much in the word. We've come too far. We will have what he's promised. Someone say he's alive. Come on now. Someone say he's alive. Stop giving the devil so much power and start putting your faith in the living God. Well, the devil's just restricting my finances. Mm, that's not where my faith is. My faith is in the living God. Even in this season, I abound in the blessing. Well, the devil's just tormenting my head. Well, guess what? That's exactly what he's going to do then because you gave him permission to torment your head. We're going to land somewhere soon. I'm sure of it. We're going to land somewhere soon. (laughs) Glory to God. Uh, We might just run around the room tonight. Hallelujah. Because we got to break free of some things. Glory to God. We got to. I'm so tired, man. Come on. We've got to. And I know. Hallelujah. 
Either the Spirit of God fell on Elijah and he was able to outrun a chariot or it didn't. Either the power of God fell from heaven and it sucked up all the sacrifice or it didn't. The glory of God. Either God let his goodness pass before Moses or he didn't. Either he came down off that mountain glowing like a flashlight. Where, and this is where the church is, right? We all freaked out by it. Oh, y'all got quiet. You didn't like that one. Because that's what they did. He came down. He's leading that church, however many thousands of people it was. And they're like, this is too much. Put a lampshade on your head. <laughs> and if it freaks me out, it freaks me out. But I'm not pulling back. I'm not pulling back. I wonder sometimes if Jesus showed up in the room, how many church people would try to chase him out? Don't do, wait, don't do that in here. We'd be kind of like what Pastor was preaching a couple weeks ago, right? When Jesus healed that man and delivered him from all those demons and then they ran him out of the city. We don't want none of that. I want all of it. Come on now. I said I want all of it. Amen. And if he invites me out on that water, you better best your bet your butt. Whether you go with me or not, I'm jumping over the side and I'm running towards Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I'd rather sink running after him than be comfortable in the boat. But here's the key. You run after him, you ain't sinking. He only started sinking when he got his eyes on something else. Hallelujah. So where should we go? Let's go here, I guess. No, let's not. Let's go here. Let's go Matthew 7, maybe. Let's see if it seems right. Yeah, we'll just start here and we'll go with it. Chapter 7, verse 21. Not all people who sound religious are really godly. They refer to me as Lord, but they still won't enter the kingdom of heaven. The decisive issue is whether they obey my father in heaven. We, and, and, and Pastor Mark, it is no coincidence that the Holy Spirit had our pastor teach us about grace. That message is coming back. And it's coming back with a bunch of false doctrine on the inside of it. You need to know the grace of God. The grace of God is not there to keep you from obeying God. I'm not going to call out the minister, but I just heard a very reputable minister talking about grace and how he no longer has to follow some portions of the word of God because of grace. That's not grace. Grace has come to empower you, believe it or not, so you can keep the commandments. I'm empowered by grace so I can follow the law. Come on now. And I know we don't like that, but the moral law is still here. Amen. And I said it on Sunday. I'm going to say it again. Jesus elevated that law, right? You remember the law? What does it say? The moral law, thou shall not commit adultery. Uh But what did Jesus say? He said, even if you think lustful thoughts, you committed adultery. So he took the law, he mashed it together, and then he required more of us. Listen to me. The deeper you want to go, the more will be required. The more you want, the more will be required. The more you desire, the more you will be required. And I know as a church, we don't like to hear that, but it's true. See, if we look at the woman of issue in blood in Mark 5, what was she willing to do to get to the hem of his garment? 
She was willing to do whatever was required. I'm not supposed to be in public, but he has something that I need. He has something that I desire. He has something on. And I love this. She wasn't religious. She didn't want to be seen. She didn't even want to challenge authority. She had to do what she had to do. She wanted Jesus. And that right there is the separation between the religious, right, and disciples. Disciples want him. Religious want to be seen. Isn't that what Jesus, when he's talking about alms, they drop it in and they want to be seen. When he was talking about prayer, they pray on the corner where they can be seen. They always want to be seen. And if you're going to be religious, guess what you won't see? Him. If you want the power, then what you must see is him. Right? And we've been so encouraged by what Dr. Varallo is saying, what my Pastor Mark has been repeating. Everybody eyes up on what? On Jesus. On Jesus. Because there's only one that's going to pull you through the storm. You know, you remember the disciples in the book of Matthew chapter 8, I think it is. Are we in chapter 8? Yeah, well, well, we're kind of close to 8. Hallelujah, it's right over there. (laughs) Amen. The disciples in Matthew chapter 8, when they're out on that bone and that that boat, that bone, I don't know what that is, hallelujah, out on that boat and that storm comes up, right, and they run and they get Jesus. Well, let's just look at it. Since we'll jump, remember Matthew 7, we're going to come back to Matthew, everyone say Matthew 7. Hallelujah, we'll come back to Matthew 7, amen. Over here in Matthew 8, verse 23, it says, Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a terrible storm came up with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. I feel like sometimes when we're running at him with all of our worries and all of our cares, he's just up there. It's not that he's sleeping, but he's just trying to encourage us to calm down. (laughs) Right? Get your soul under control here. This is why I've given you and I've dealt to every man the measure of faith. So you don't have to be overwhelmed in this situation. You don't have to be overcome by this obstacle. And can I just tell you something? Your experiences do not define your faith. An experience may confirm your faith. Right? But ultimately it's the word of God that defines our faith. What I believe is defined from his word. You know, I believe he's the healer. You know where I get that from? The Word of God. I encourage you, go through the, They made us do it when we were at Rabel Bible School. We went all through the Gospels and we read where every single time where it said Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were sick. And they had us underline it. Went to the next chapter. Went about doing good, healing all that were sick. And then what did Jesus say? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So why would he go about undoing what the Father has done? It doesn't make any sense. Right? If he's there to deliver people from sickness and disease, why would he deliver people from sickness and disease if the one who sent him is the one that gave it? But yet, people all the time, by their experiences with sickness and disease, they let it build what they believe about Jesus being the healer. Come on, listen to me now. You cannot let your experiences define your faith. Amen. I don't care what you go through. Now, I'm not trying to sound insensitive. I don't care what you go through in your finances. That does not define what you believe about prosperity. Furthermore, I don't care what some preacher says about it. See, church, we got to let the word of God define what we believe. We got to let the word of God define it. Now, look at this. The disciples, and I know when we read this illustration, lots of times the disciples come out looking real bad. And you know what? I'm not here to throw shade because there's been lots of times in my walk of faith I came out looking real bad. Come on now. Don't shout me down. Can I get an oh me? Anyone in the house? (laughs) Come on. We're not perfect. We're just pursuing the perfect one. 
Amen. Now I'm going to give you a little insight. As you pursue the perfect one, he will iron some flaws out of you if you let him. Because he wants you to be perfect. Amen. And so here, let's keep reading. It says that uh, a storm came, verse 25. The disciples went to him and woke him up. Now I just want to stop right there. Jesus comes up and he rebukes them. Well, let's just read it and then I'll come back and hit it. The disciples went to him and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And Jesus answered, why are you afraid? You have such little faith. Then he stood up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a calm. Come on, let Jesus speak to some things in your life. Let him bring a calm to you. Amen. (laughs) Amen. How do we let Jesus speak things or to things in our lives? It's very simple. You impregnate yourself with the word, and then you let that word come out of you. And Jesus, he taught the the people about that, right? We're not defiled by what goes in us. We're defiled by what comes out of us. And so you need to make sure the right things are coming out of you so you don't defile the world that you're living in, right? And so how do we let Jesus speak to things? I get his word, just like Pastor Ronna, she used that scripture, did a wonderful illustration. His word I did find, and I did chew on it. I did meditate it. I departed it into my soul. And then guess what? Once it's in you, now it can come out of you. Right? And so Jesus stood up, he rebuked the storm, and then a great calm came over him. And he wants to rebuke the storm for you too, but you got to let his words come out of your mouth. And then when you do that, a great calm will come. Now for all the disciples even being rebuked by Jesus, they did one thing right in this passage. It's right here in verse 25. The disciples went to him. I think on Sunday morning, y'all better be there, hallelujah. We're going to be talking about being intimate with the Lord. Intimacy with him is important. You know, I'll talk to some of the parents in the room. Do your children know Jesus through you or do they know him? Right? Rachel and I, we work hard that Samuel and Christian would know him. They wouldn't know him through me. Now I can lead them. I can guide them. I can be an example as I'm supposed to be. I remember being a pastor's kid for the longest time. It was mom and dad's faith. And that held me back in a lot of ways. I encourage you, if you're a parent in the room, teach them how to live this life. I remember one time very distinctly. I may have shared this story with you guys, but you probably forgot. And so we'll share it again. Uh, You know, we were playing football, pickup football. You know, pickup football games used to... When you look back on your life, do you ever wonder how you made it this far? (laughs) And I'm not scared to admit, I'm such a helicopter parent, hallelujah, you know what I mean? I mean, my kid leaves the house, they're going out in pads and helmets and all sorts of gear, you know, because I'm just such a helicopter, protect them at all costs, protect them at all costs. My parents didn't care. (laughs) Anybody else? (laughs) Hallelujah. I I mean, we'd be out for hours at a time, and and I'm not sure they even knew if we were coming back. (laughs) You know what I mean? We're just out there. And we lived some, you know, up in the mountains when we weren't in town with snakes and bears and mountain lions and all sorts of other stuff, you know. And they're just like, go play on a tree or something. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. And so I look back sometimes and I'm like, Lord Jesus, your hand was surely upon me. Hallelujah. And so we're playing football at a, at a, a park in an apartment community. Mom and dad were leading a Bible study at someone's house. And so all the kids went outside and were playing football. And they had one of those swing sets like you used to see on the playground. They had the metal poles that went into the ground. Y'all remember those? I think there's a couple parks around here. And we're playing football. And I was just a little kid. I was like four foot 11 until I was a junior in high school. I was tiny. Right. And so uh, it's one of the reasons I didn't play high school football is because I didn't want to die. You know, I'm like, I'm little. I got in high school and I'm like, these kids are big. You know, I don't know what their parents are feeding them, but I'm not on that diet. I'm little. And so I was real little. And I remember one guy, he grabbed me by my ankles. We're just playing tackle football. And uh, he grabbed me by ankles and he started swinging me around. And when he swung me around, the side of my head hit one of those metal poles on the swing set. Yeah. And it hurt real bad. And from that day, I've been delivered. Praise the Lord. But from that day, I used to get really bad migraines. I get this real throbbing right here in the temple of my head, on the side of my head. I get this throbbing. And mom and dad used to put me in a dark room, turn off all the lights, bring a cold rag. And dad would just sit next to me and he'd pray. And I remember one night, you know, my head started throbbing. I was like, dad, come pray for me. You know, we turn off the lights, got the cold rag. He came in the room and he just sat there. And I was like, why aren't you praying? And I remember so distinctly, we might think this is cruel, but it wasn't. He said, son, tonight you got to get it by your faith. What was he doing? You need to receive Jesus Christ as your healer. Yeah, I know he's the healer and I can lay my hands on you and you can receive that. But son, I need to teach you how to grow in faith. He needs to become your Jesus. He needs to become your healer. He needs to become your Lord and your Savior. You need to know how, because guess what, parents? Eventually, <laughs> I don't know about my kids, but eventually they will leave your home. I'm pretty sure Samuel's staying forever. <laughs> Son, I love you. Hallelujah. He's, he's done made up his mind. Glory to God. But they're going to have to learn how to live this life of faith. And can I tell you something else? I'm just speaking to mom and dad real quick. What we do on Wednesday night, it's good, but it's not enough. We got them an hour and a half a week. And if you think that's going to develop them spiritually, you are gravely mistaken. Now, don't pull them out. They need to be there. They need iron to sharpen iron. They need the fellowship with one another. They need to receive the word of God from their youth pastors. It's channeled in a way that is receptive to them. They need to gather themselves together, as the word of God says. But also, they need something at home. I'm just there on Wednesday nights to reinforce what you're teaching at home. And you better be teaching at home because they're getting taught stuff at school all the time. They're getting taught stuff on TV all the time. I told you we was going to get on some soapboxes tonight. Amen. And, and I'm just going to say it because I am one glory to God. I'm associate pastor with emphasis in the youth ministry. But don't be looking at me. Well, why haven't you taught them? Because I'm going to shoot right back at you. Why haven't you taught them? Glory to God. I'll share another story with you. Y'all doing all right tonight? Yes. <laughs> Amen. I had this, uh, this couple come to me. They no longer go to church here. I don't know if they've, they've found a cornerstone on live stream. If you're watching and you know who you are, praise the Lord. Just mute it for a little while. Turn off closed captions. <laughs> praise the Lord. But they came to me and uh, they said, we want you to talk to our son about pornography. We found out he's watching some stuff. 
on the internet and, and we want you to talk to him. And I said, absolutely, I'll, I'll talk to him. We'll go through scripture together. We'll even set up an accountability system. He can text me, uh, you know, whatever, if he's being tempted with that, he'll shoot me a text and I'll, I'll encourage him. You know what I mean? I'd love to talk to him. And then in talking to mom and dad, I found out, now this is going to take the breath out of the room. It always does. I found out that in their marriage, they watched it together. So now they're wanting me to teach their son something that is wrong, but yet they're allowing that snake in their own house. So how's the youth pastor who doesn't have any authority in that home going to come in there and take that snake out of that garden when mom and dad are letting it crawl around in there? And so what am I saying? Parents, you don't just teach the word. You got to live it in front of them. Amen. And as you teach the word and you live it in front of them, now Pastor Cody and I, and even your children, Pastor Deanna and the Torch team, we can come behind and reinforce what's being established in them at home through the word of God so they can be strengthened in this life of faith. Because if you look at stat uh, the statistics right now, the younger generation is fleeing the church in droves. The devil always comes for the children. Snuff them out before they even get a chance. To fulfill their call. And your children are called to some. I had no idea we're going this way tonight, but it's good. Hallelujah. And guess what? If you don't have children, well, maybe your children are grown, then help them raise their children. Pray for the children. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Help them so they don't depart from the faith. Because this is what I know, and this is what the devil does. He comes to challenge what you believe. You remember when Goliath stood up in front of that army? What was he there doing? He was there to challenge what they believed. To defy the armies of the living God. And then I love this about David, who was out on the back 40, you know, taking care of his father's sheep. This is so cool, talking about intimacy. David built his life of faith when no one was watching. Right? out there, none of his brothers around, dad's not around, Samuel's not around, not there anointing him anymore, Jesse's not there, David's just out there with the sheep, taking care of his father's sheep, and I love this, it was his intimate moments with God where his faith grew. His faith didn't grow when Goliath challenged him, he just walked out what he already believed. See, your challenges don't grow your faith. Maybe we've been taught that, but it's wrong. Your challenges might grow you in perseverance, but they don't grow you in your faith. The Bible says the word is what grows us in the faith. Amen. What is that? Intimate times with God because he is the word, right? When I'm spending time with him and I'm fellowshipping with him. Because when David was out there taking care of daddy's sheep, what did he say? When he stood up before Goliath, listen, I've been out there taking care of the sheep and, the, and God delivered me from a lion. And the same God who delivered me from a bear... Is the God who's going to deliver me from this uncircumcised field. So what was he doing? He was just walking out what he already believed. See, you've got to put this on the inside of you so when you are challenged, there's faith in there to walk through the storm, to walk through the challenge so you can live as an overcomer. Your challenge doesn't make you an overcomer. It's the word of God that you put in you before the challenge that makes you an overcomer. That is some good preaching. Hallelujah. It's the word we put in us. 
that allows us to live as an overcomer so we can overcome these challenges because I guarantee you, he's going to come challenge you. He challenged the disciples. He challenged all the men and the women of old. And guess what? He challenged Jesus. So he's going to come challenge you. So you got to know him. And guess what? He's going to challenge your students too. So they need to know him. Amen. Amen. The one thing the disciples did right in this portion of scripture is they went to him. They went to him. In all things, let us go to him. Let's go back to Matthew 7. Back to it. Y'all doing all right tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. The disciple is now. So the decisive issue is whether they obey my father in heaven. Can I just tell you real quick? Obedience is not optional. <laughs> I heard Tim Ross say this and it's so good. If you want to live a rogue lifestyle, then don't claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Why? Because disciples obey. I said it a couple weeks ago. I read the Bible thinking I was Batman and I found out I was Alfred. <laughs> what, does that mean? what does that mean? I'm just a servant. <laughs> Master, how can I serve you? The Dark Knight Rises is back on Netflix. I'm watching it again. Alfred's just always bringing him food. <laughs> Making his bed. Master, how can I serve you? That's the way we're supposed to be with Jesus. Today's society doesn't like to hear that. I've got grace. I can just live however I want. I've got grace, so I just, I can do what I want, and I'm going to see the blessing. It doesn't say that in there. Your blessing is contingent upon your obedience. Jesus repeatedly pounded that into us, and the Word repounds that in. You go and read the Old Guess what? The Old Testament and the New Testament are the same in this aspect. The people of God that did something for God were obedient to God. Amen. And that's all it comes down to. Everybody say, I will obey. I will obey. <clears throat> so we'll keep going. It says, on Judgment Day, many will tell me, now this is key, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and we cast out demons in your name. And performed many miracles in your name. But look at this. But I will reply, I never knew you. <clears throat> I think sometimes we measure our relationship with Jesus with what we are doing for Jesus. Now listen, if you're serving in the body, this is not me giving you permission to stop. You're absolutely supposed to serve in the body of Christ. And we see a lot of scripture and precedents for serving in the body. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. But there's something, there's a difference between serving him and knowing him. Amen. I'm going to say that again. There's a difference between serving him and knowing him. And we got to watch this in every area of our lives because if we're not careful, we can even start reading our Bible out of serving him instead of wanting to be with him. We can worship in our living rooms out of wanting to serve him instead of just wanting to be with him. You know, the best times that I have with my wife is when I don't come with an agenda. I just want to be with her. Same with my children. Don't come with an agenda. Just want to be with them. That's really when we grow together and we connect together. And it's the same with God. You don't come with an agenda. Oh, come on now. Amen, amen, that's right. 
As a preacher, I understand this a lot because lots of times we go to get. But you know what? Even as Christians, sometimes we do that, don't we? We go to get. What about just going to be? Let me just be with you. Let me just sit. And he's really challenged me the last couple months about just being with him. Just sitting in the stillness and knowing that he is God. Getting rid of all the commotion around. Getting quiet, shutting off the TV and the video games and the cell phone. Even putting down books and just being with God. Man, you want to talk about life changing. You want to talk about being a better employee, being a better boss, being a better husband, being a better wife, being a better son, a better daughter, a better brother, better sister, better employee, whatever it is, just be with him. And as you're with him, he'll make you better at everything you do. Everyone say, I just want to be with him. You know, at the end of the day, he says this, I never knew you go away. The things you did were unauthorized. The things you did were unauthorized. I want to know him. This is my challenge to you tonight. Whatever is in your life that is keeping you from knowing him on a deeper level, will you take it to God and deal with it? And we all got stuff we can work on. And if you say, I don't have stuff to work on, then we're going to call you down and pray for you right now because you're lying. <laughs> you can't tell me you don't have stuff to, get out of here. Come on, we all got stuff to work on. I got stuff to work on. You got stuff to work on, but we're going to work on it. Amen. Amen. Will you go to God tonight, tomorrow, on Friday? Will you go to God and say, this has been an obstacle in my life from knowing you better, from knowing you deeper, from knowing you in a greater way? Will we get all this stuff out of the way and talk to God like he's really there? Stop having these Fake Christian conversations with him. I mean, I, I, I used to do that all the time, right? Go to God and you say, you feel like you're saying all the right things. You know what vulnerability does? It creates dependency. Go to God vulnerable and you'll learn how to depend on him. But if you go to him all shut up, he can't help you. Amen. And then I encourage you this too. When you go to him, and you share your heart with him, and you talk about those things that have been blocking you, and then don't just run out of the room. Sit and wait. I got notebooks all over the place, in my backpack, in my office, in my living room, because I just sit, and then when he starts speaking, I start writing. Right? But if we run out of the room, then he can't show us anything. He can't teach us anything. Everyone say, I want to know him. Now let's go over here in Luke 13. You know, the word of God is challenging. And if you're not being challenged by messages, then something's not right. I, I'll, just, I'll just tell you personally, and I'm not trying to flex. But I, on my Instagram, I don't know if y'all know what that is or not. Some of y'all do. Some of y'all don't. I unfollowed a lot of preachers because I got so tired of the fluff. 
And I even told Rachel one day, I was like, I know what this preacher's, because every Monday they were posting a recap from their Sunday service. And I told her, I was like, I already know what it's going to be. This challenge is not here to destroy you, but to grow you. Maybe God sent it to teach you something, to develop something, to grow something. Stop looking at it as a challenge and start looking at it as God's. I mean, just the same thing every week, every week, every week. But never given the tools or the doctrine to live a life of faith. Right? In all things, when the gospel is preached, Jesus is glorified. And if Jesus isn't being glorified, then the gospel isn't being preached. Amen. Amen. And anybody that's not glorifying him, we shouldn't be listening to him. At least when it comes to doctrine. Now, I listen to a lot of podcasts, you know, some political, some funny. You know, I love comedians. They just help everything. Right? You know, pastor always says in a different life he would have been a politician. I think I would have been a comedian. (laughs) I just love it, man. Hallelujah. So, but anyway, so I'm not saying we can't listen to stuff, but when it comes to teaching of the word. Make sure you're getting sound doctrine. Amen. Go, where do we get sound doctrine? Well, you go to him. Even the stuff we're talking about tonight. Don't take my word for it. Take his. Go to him and go to the word and chew on it. Find out what's right. Come on now. Hallelujah. You know why? (laughs) Soapbox. You know why a lot of Christians can just be fed anything? Because they're lazy to dig into the word of God to find out if it's true. This is how Christians can get deceived on prosperity. This is how Christians can get deceived on sickness and disease. This is how Christians can get deceived on grace. Because we come and we listen to the minister, but then we don't leave and do our own due diligence. My studying of the word is not a replacement for your studying of the word. Amen. And I I study the word not just to get, but to study the word. What is real about this? What is, what, what is sound doctrine about this? What is God really saying concerning this? Come on now. Yeah. Amen. And then teach your children how to study the word. Yeah. Glory to God. So here we go. Last scripture for you, maybe. I don't know. I can't make any promises. <laughs> Last portion of the scripture. We still got to go to Matthew 8, <laughs> where we started. We haven't looked at it at all yet. And Jesus went through the towns and the villages, teaches, and he went everywhere, pressing towards Jerusalem. Some asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? He replied, the door of heaven is narrow. Work hard to get in. Because many will try to enter, but when the head of the house, when they, when the head of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. Then you'll stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I do not know you. You will say, but we drank with you, and, we, and you taught in our streets. <laughs> Right? What are they saying? All this stuff is a substitute for a relationship, a personal relationship with you. But we drank with you. You taught in our streets. You know, it's kind of like the modern day Christian. Well, I went to church on Sunday. I listened to a podcast. I worshiped on Wednesday night. And Jesus is saying, yeah, but did you ever come to me? Get beyond the, I saw Jesus being taught from the pulpit. I heard about him being preached in the streets. I heard about this and, and we drank, we took communion on Sunday and Jesus is saying, that is not enough for this relationship. Someone say deeper. 
Hallelujah. And I tell you, I don't know, go away, all of you who do evil. Verse 28. And there will be a great weeping and gnashing of teeth, for you will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of the prophets. Now, this does sound like Matthew 8 a little bit. You remember when the Cecherian man came to him because his, one of his servants was sick, and Jesus talked to him, and, and he said, just say the word. Come on, church, let the word be enough. <laughs> just say the word. Let the word be enough, because when you let the word be enough, you're letting Jesus be enough, because the word of God says he is the word. John chapter 1, and the word was made flesh, and he dwelt among us. Amen. Jesus is the word. Be like the centurion. Now, what I love about the centurion is he, wasn't, he was a Roman officer. No covenant. Right? Just like that woman at the table. Even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. It's the same situation with the centurion. And Jesus looked at him because he said, your word is enough. And Jesus looked at him and said, I have not seen faith this great. See, when you let the word be enough, that is great faith. And then what Jesus say? He said, oh, brother, you're going to stir it up. Because there's going to be a lot of people that belong to me that aren't going to receive. And there's a lot of people that don't belong to me. They're going to come and they're going to get. What was he talking about? Jewish and Gentiles. And he's saying the Jewish people are going to get real mad. And there's going to be gnashing of cheat. And there's going to be those that are cast out into the darkness and those that come into the light. What's the difference? Those who believe the word. Not those who are about religious duty. Not those who are about Jewish custom. But those who believe the word. And that was the difference with that Roman officer. I believe the word. Right? It's the same thing with the woman with issue of blood. In Mark 5. She believed in the word which was Jesus. Amen. Amen. And you know, they say that it was so crowded there that she had to crawl on her hands and knees. Right? They say it was so crowded that if somebody were to pass out, they would have stood upright. And people say, no, that can never happen. Well, we just had a concert like a year ago where a bunch of people died because it was so crowded they couldn't breathe. So don't tell me it can't get so crowded that someone passes out, they won't fall down. We've seen a crowd like that in our lifetime. Right? So what am I saying? It's not always easy to get to him. Sacrifices have to be made. But I love this. She didn't even say, if I touch him. She just said, if I touch something that's touching him. <laughs> that's all I got to do. I just got to touch something that's touching him. Right? Just let me. And it doesn't even have to be his collar doesn't even have to be his chest. You know, the, 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 the hem is just fine. And I love this too. She didn't even care if Jesus knew she was there. Not there to be seen. Not there to be glorified. Just let me sneak in here and touch what I need to touch to get what I need to get. I don't need any recognition. I don't need to be an example. I just need to touch you. That'll take us a long ways. Amen. Someone say, be with him. Amen. And there'll be great weeping and gnashing of teeth, for we'll see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the prophets and the kingdom of God, and you'll be thrown out. And then people will come from all over the world and their places in the kingdom of God. And note, now, let's just stop here. People will come from all over the world. Can I just help you out real quick, church? Let's stop. Now, hear my heart. I'm going to clean it up, maybe. 
Let's stop trying to bring people to church and let's start bringing God to people. Right? And when we stop trying to bring people to church and we change our attitude and we start bringing God to people, then they will follow you to church. Just, just bring God to the people. See, lay hands on the... See, Jesus, he sent them out into the world with this commandment, right? Now, we lay hands on people in the church, but that's not the only place you can do this. I was listening to one preacher, and he was talking about separation between clergy and laity. And he was talking about, you know, I understand we have fivefold ministry gifts, but you have to understand God's anointed all of us. He's anointed all of us. And there is no separation between clergy and laity. Yes, we do have the fivefold ministry gifts, and we do honor those gifts. But guess what? The anointing on your life is just as good as the anointing on my life. Let someone experience that anointing at work. Let someone experience that anointing at school. Let someone experience that anointing at the gas station, and then they will follow you to church. Amen. It's that simple, right? Taste and see that he is good. Give them a taste of God. Right? Jesus said, if I be lifted up, he's talking about a crucifixion, but if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Lift him up at the gas station. Lift him up at work. Yes. Right? Yes. And then the church will be full. Because yes. you give them God in the world and they're going to say, man, I need more of that. Yes. Where'd you get that? Amen. Where'd you get full of all that? Right? And guess what? <laughs> I don't know if we got anything. It's been good, right? Hallelujah. Give me a high five, Pete. Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> because what did, what did the Apostle Paul say in the book of Corinthians chapter 14? He said, these signs are for the unbelievers. I love it when we prophesy in church. I love it when we have tongues and interpretation. I love it. And, and maybe we'll talk about tongues on Sunday. I don't know. Hallelujah. I love all those things. But really, the Spirit of God on you is for the world to believe. <laughs> we need to have an expectation. Just going back to talking about supernatural things. Imagine you're a Kroger and you're given a supernatural word of knowledge for somebody that's getting orange juice. How's that going to change their life? Right? What's that going to do for the, well, I'm not a clergy member. You don't, are you a part of the body of Christ? Yeah. yeah, well, the gifts don't say you have to be clergy. No, all it says is that these operate as the spirit of God wills. If you're willing, he'll use you just like he'll use me. Amen. Even the Apostle Paul, he said the words of the prophet are reserved for the prophet. What does that mean? The prophet's in control. Just like you're in control. You can yield to this outside of these walls just like I can yield to it outside of the walls. Man, and he's been challenging me with this one. And I got to tell you, it's kind of fun and exciting. Praying for people in drive throughs <laughs> Just talking to people at the supermarket. It's exciting talking to all my neighbors. All my neighbors, I mean, it's just so much fun. That's my harvest field. Amen. Because I work with a bunch of Christians. I try to get Wesley saved all the time, glory to God, but he says he is, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So my harvest field around here is not, you know, plentiful, glory to God, but I go to the store just like you go to the store. And it's fun when you minister, when you let the goodness that lives on the inside of you out into this world, it is fun. And you're the body of Christ, and I'm the body of Christ, and I'm the hands, and you're the feet. Let's take God to this world. Amen. But what is key? Knowing him. And that's the slogan around here, right? To know him and to make him known. So that way, when you're at the grocery store 
and you're walking out these signs and wonders, because that's what Jesus said, right? The works that I have done, you shall do, and greater works shall follow them to believe. You know what the greater works are, right? Getting people born again, right? That's a greater work. Amen. And he said, these signs shall follow those who believe. Now, when you start walking out these signs, it's authorized because you know him. And now he's not going to be like, no, when you get to heaven, you're like, oh, I did this and I did that. He's not going to be like, that was unauthorized because you never knew me first. Right? See, we know each other. But if Ollie comes to my house and takes my car, I'm going to be like, brother, we don't know each other like that. You know what I mean? Maybe you need some permission. We might, let's come over for dinner first. Hallelujah. Let's get to know one another in that capacity. And then you can come take my car. Right? Because when you're intimate with somebody, then the greater works are authorized. When you know somebody, the greater works are authorized. And you're doing it with his approval and his authority. Everyone say, get to know him. Well, glory to God. We'll just finish it. Verse 30. And note this. Some who are despised now will be greatly honored then. And some who are greatly honored now will be despised then. Hallelujah. I just want to know him. Let that be birthed in your heart. That's one thing I always love when Dr. Varallo comes and visits. It just births a new hungry on the, hunger on the inside of me to know him in a greater way. But I, I, I've decided I want to birth that hunger in others. Well, how do I birth that hunger in others? Well, I've got to know him that way. I've got to know him that way. And I've got to tell you, you know, I'm not trying to entice you into doing it, but it's an exciting ride, y'all. I love sitting in my living room after the family goes to bed and just being with him. Man, and he starts stirring and he starts moving. Have a little holy goat trying to be quiet. But at the same time, being very rambunctious. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. And you know what's so cool about God? When he sets you on fire, you don't care what you look like when you're burning. You don't care what you sound like when you're burning. <laughs> and that's part of the problem, right? We, we just don't have enough fire. So we're very aware what we're saying all the time. At the, oh, am I going to be judged if I tell someone about Jesus? Well, just get more on fire and you won't care. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Just get more of God. Get to know him more. And as you get to know him more, the more of him you'll have to get off of you. <laughs> Amen. You can't give from an empty cup. <laughs> Amen. You throw an empty cup on no water there. It's just air. Doesn't change your life. Doesn't change my life. Amen. But you got a full cup that's full of him. Then you spill that out onto somebody. Glory to God. We ought to be like those little gushers. You know, you put them in your mouth and something comes squirting out of the middle of it. Amen. Jesus ought to come just shooting out of you all the time. That was disgusting. Well, glory to God. I love you all. Praise the Lord.